0: the minefields my name is Joshua Michael I've got Mr. Colin he's back you're always back. back you're always but you're back back this
1: time and we got agent yeah, 43 there Mr. Back. Tony Morales two, two the beast with a couple of backs at least this is a couple <clears throat> of backs he must have been yeah, really big. two busy. to three backs two to three <laughs> probably a few more we'll see what happens and agent forty three Mr. Morales say what's up <laughs> Solid. How's it going, guys? Agent. What's Agent. up, man? How are you? Doing well, yourselves? Good. I'm really I'm good. The, I'm on the jazz. Got my on, second vaccination shot.
0: I got oh, mine. Nice. I got mine on Sunday. Thanks to Mister Morales here. I was cruising around and I got a phone call. I'm like, I get better, take this. And he's like, fucking get your ass over here. I'm like, all right. Like someone, you know, he. I got that mad pharmacy hookup, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I Had to call the Josh phone, dude. I, dude, I they it.
1: They called me about coming in and getting my shot ahead of time, and uh, I couldn't do it because I was out of town and I was working, but I'm really impressed at how many places are not wanting any of their vaccine to go to waste, and uh, I just hear story after story of people who are like, oh yeah, no, I'll come in like a day early because you got the stuff and you're calling me.
2: Yeah. Well, that's how it is. Uh, Once you take it, it can be frozen for, I can't remember how long it can be frozen, but once it is um, thawed, it is good in a refrigerator for five days.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Or once you once you take it out and get it, take it out of the refrigerator for an extended period of time, it is good for six hours. And you okay. can get six shots per vial. If you're if you're skilled enough, you can get a seventh shot. And then, you, like I said, you've oh. got six hours to get those into people, or else the, or else it spoils basically.
1: So it's a thank com- you for the lowdown, man. That's awesome news. It's, yeah, it's-
2: so that's that's why that's why if somebody cancels, we have to jump on it so hard to get somebody to fill that spot because so we're, you know, like I said, we're running on about six hour time frame.
0: Well, shit, man. I thought I was right. feeling special, like I had a bro. It just turned out I was just a random asshole answer to the phone. All right. <laughs> hey, you were the first asshole. Uh, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> now, you say, you're you're saying it's a compound like that bomb in Die Hard Three.
1: Die Hard Three. Yeah, pretty much. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's in a vending machine. You keep it in a vending machine in an elementary school somewhere in New York.
2: Exactly. Yeah, the whole thing is we have to once we get, we put it in a, a uh, we we dilute it, and once the uh, once it's mixed with the dilutant, or diluent, it's freaking good for the six hours mm. so
0: i still gotta schedule my my second one It i I felt fine the only thing that happened to me was my arm was sore and then really just gotta like not really hurt it but just work the muscle out and it'll be fine you really don't have to like spend the next couple of days like having it hurt and just kind of work the muscle and you'll be fine
2: yeah first shot's not too bad second shot's kind of a it can it can go anywhere. Like uh, I had some body soreness my first, uh, my second shot. My father freaking um, when he had to take like half a day off of work because he got some flu-like symptoms. And my mom freaking she went gambling that night. <laughs> <laughs> so she was completely fine. So it's totally just kind of how your body reacts to it.
0: It made her feel lucky. Is that what you're saying?
2: Dude, <laughs> she won like 500 bucks. Well, God I'm not, not saying I'm, not, I'm not saying it's what you know. It helped, but I'm not saying it didn't.
0: What was she playing? Dude, tell please tell me her mom's like some hardcore card shark playing like blackjack and shit like that, man. Like not some like <laughs> no. old ass Puerto Rican lady at the fucking like like slot machines. Like she's fucking throwing it. craps.
2: <laughs> no, she is totally that old that old Puerto Rican lady on the slot machine. <laughs> <laughs> This is her day. You couldn't have did any more on the nose if you tried.
0: Don't <laughs> even matter yet, man. Yeah,
1: oh, I've only ever hilarious. done so well. I I made I don't know I I, I did okay playing the alien licensed slot, uh, but not in the same place. Like I, I played at the Hard Rock one time here in town when I was doing a commercial there, and then I used to play it at one, the place in Norman. And um, that's where I made some money on it. But, like, I played it at a couple... And, like, if I'm doing a commercial and we're do, we were doing a casino-related things, then I'd play that game, and I would I, I made money one time, but I could never make money on it anywhere else. So I don't know what the deal is. Obviously, it's gambling, so the statistical probability is it's not going to work out. Man, yeah, there's your
2: counting cards. Yeah. Like the pros.
0: Like the pros. Speaking of pros, you guys keep talking because I figured out a gimmick of how because we always have a good gimmick to start things out, and we got to have a question of the week. Now I sent this photo to Mister Colin the other day, and his response, the immediate response, was that is suitable for framing. Oh, dude,
1: yes, that is a killer paint. Is it a painting? That or is, it, is it. Like a.
0: That is a painting. I'm sending it to all uh, both you guys again. Well, Tony, I'm sending yeah, it to thanks. you. Yeah, I'm sending it to both of you guys right now on our group Facebook chat.
1: Oh, okay. And I was uh, hoping everybody's was going to hear my dingy little ringtone, but whatever.
0: And the gimmick and question of the week which one are you picking in a fight? Like like the one guy I feel like you like you, you, could pick one of these dudes
1: and to have your back. Who would it be? Well, who is. Let me. Okay, so this is a depiction. From left to right of a jungle scene with Rain, and we have we have Sylvester Stallone from Rambo First Blood Part Two mm-hmm. on the left. Then who is um Isn't that oh Dolph isn't that Dolph Lundgren right there? Dolph Lundgren, yeah, but is he playing his character from uh, Universal Soldier there? That is a hundred percent Universal Soldier. Okay. Then we've got Michael Bean in his Hicks. Armor and gun set as Corporal Dwayne Hicks from Aliens. Who is this though? I mean, what guy is is that John Bernthal? That is Bernthal as the Punisher. Okay, Bernth- John Bernthal as the current Punisher, the Netflix series version. And then we've got Arnold Schwarzenegger, particular amazing badass in his Punisher. I'm sorry, as his uh, Predator. Copy predator. Mm-hmm. It is a sick, sick painting. That is, that is, oh, dude, that is just awesome. Agent uh, S- Agent sixty nine,
0: did you get the uh, the picture? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who's Agent sixty nine? I'm just, I'm just roasting Morales, man. Agent forty three, what do you got? What do you? Did you get it? Did we lose him? Oh man, I hope not. He was coming in a little choppy. Let's carry on. Let's carry uh, on. Let's carry on. He will climb he will chime back in. What man? Okay. See okay, so this is the question. Are you looking at the iteration of the character? I mean, God, Arnold from Predator is
0: big time. I agree, but the, the question is, which if, if, if you had to hire a mercenary out of to, to get a job done out of these five gentlemen,
1: which one would you pick and why? Well, okay. Man, I it, it's okay. Arnold is the only Dutch. It's Dutch is yeah, his character, yeah, it's right? Dutch, it's Dutch. Dutch is the only actual mercenary there. Uh you know, because Corporal Hicks is a legit soldier, right? And he does what he's in a chain of command, he does what he's supposed to do. Uh I can't think of um Dolph Lundgren's character's name, because I've only seen Universal Soldier maybe like three times, and it was, you know, when it was on VHS Mm -hmm. originally, so I don't even remember that too well. He was out of his freaking mind. Out of his goddamn Uh, Gordon. John Bernthal was awesome in The Punisher, but the second season, I couldn't even get past the third episode. Nothing was going on, and uh, I don't think he does it for money. And I also don't think that John Rambo does it for money. But I'm going to say, legit, it's straight-up Rambo. Period. Mm -hmm. For me, it's got to be John J. Rambo. He does find a way. He absolutely finds a way. Though I completely... I, 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 I am remiss that Schwarzenegger has not done more Predator work. I feel like if anything demanded more sequels with the original cast or with something that would have retained Schwarzenegger, I would have stuck him in more Predator stuff. However, I hear tell that Disney wants to do a Predator sequel featuring Schwarzenegger and Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody?
0: Yeah, because he was he was
1: awesome in Predators.
0: oh oh yeah yeah I forgot he was in Predators oh. yes that was a legit
1: Predator movie right there yeah. I have not seen the Key and Peel one <laughs> I mean they did it there is a Key and Peel Predator movie uh yeah I can't remember what it's called I think it's just I think it's Predator or something or another I I'm not, I I don't know what was going on with that I honestly I need to go find that and see how it went because it had some interesting buzz but i just don't know what happened with it
0: man i never got around to seeing it but like i'm really torn on this because like if i was gonna do a mission with somebody it would definitely be something that like obviously suicide mission that i did plan on coming back from in the first place but like dutch is one thing i mean like he survived i think dutch I, i honestly think dutch got lucky and I don't think and he, he had
1: some flair, too. He had, he had some, some personal flair.
0: Yeah, for like the first like 30 minutes of nonstop one liners, which was awesome. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, comestá. Uh, but Rambo, man, I'm torn between Rambo and Punisher because they're the two guys that, like, just are, are indestructible.
1: I uh, Yeah, that's what I gotta say. Indestructible is John Bernthal's Punisher's first last and middle name he cannot be beaten down he every he takes every conceivable pain and wound uh he got tortured so hard um that first season was just insane i agree i would not like no other punisher What's it, Ray... Uh, oh, gosh, I can't... Sorry, I'm at a loss for names right you're now. You're talking
0: about... Uh, you're talking about War... Not
1: War Journal. You're talking War about, Journal, yeah. War uh, Journal. Was it War Journal, the, the second movie? Yes.
0: Ray Stevenson. And,
1: uh, Ray Stevenson. Love the guy. He was awesome as Volstag in uh, the Thor movies. And um, I love... You know, War Journal was amazing. Uh, I, I gotta say... Oh, by the way, uh, as far as any kind of, like, pop culture news goes... I saw War Journal at the Sherman Oaks Arc Light in Los Angeles, and all of the arc lights are closing. And that is a that t- true, true loss. Is the Warren still open? The Warren's? No, the Warren's are closing around here. Even the big one? Yeah. Holy uh, there's shit. A new, there's one in Tulsa, and it's characterized as temporarily closed. But uh, Warren, uh, the more Warren is closed, and it is uh, though the parking lot was full the other day when I drove by it uh, when we were coming up from Dallas. But um, anyway, back to this. I gotta say, no nope, I don't want to discount Corporal Hicks though. Yeah, I mean he, he's golden boy. Thing. He's golden boy in the middle, dude. He's yeah. That is a. I mean, we're talking about '80s icons here, so I don't know what good John Bernthal is doing in that. But at the same time, I mean. I, I gotta say, if we could have got a solid Vietnam era Punisher character prequel, I just, I'm disappointed. I, I gotta say, like, I mean, John Bernthal Punisher, as part of the MCU, the television aspect, if you wanna call it that, it's so rad. But if they went in and, I mean, you can't do it because it's contemporary, but if they went in and showed us how he was formed, Uh I would I would be I'd be ready to tune back into that for you know for real. You you really Um, you really messed
0: up like uh Punisher Season two was a slow burn. It really picked up around episode four. Yeah, it was definitely you had to really (laughs) really had to invest in that one. Um
1: wait, no you didn't. It was awesome. What am I even talking about? No, you, you you just got bored. I don't know what the hell your problem was. I know what my problem was, and I don't want to get into it right now, but it had a lot to do with who I was watching it with. Oh, um, Jesus.
0: Oh, that sucks. Yeah, You're totally right about that, dude. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if you Even watched... though
1: was, it, was, it was her idea, you know, was, but like like two, three episodes in, I was like, nothing's happening. I don't know. Let's throw in a movie tonight instead. And uh, so, yeah, I got away. If, it, if it's good, I'm glad, but, you know, it didn't come back for a third season, so... Yeah, there? I don't know, Dolph Lundgren. I mean, God, I love him. I'm so I I've got Creed one and Creed two, and I'm looking so forward to watching them. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get to do that with uh, current girlfriend, my Miss Maggie, but um, uh, yeah, man. I mean, you and I, I started it because I was watching Hella Rambo movies while working out last year. I just have a Rambo movie on in the background and just lift all day and like that's where it's at man we went on a massive rambo tear we did a long box minefields on rambo that was a
0: good ass week because remember like uh you yes. were talking about it like crazy and i had one of those uh-huh. witchy moments where i went to walmart and all of a sudden my eyes get drawn to like the the blu-ray set of all five badass movies together man it was a uh, yeah! They, like in and again if just to recap for our listeners a, a long box is when we get like a hair up our ass to like focus on one like one solid idea and do like a whole episode on it and we focus on Rambo man like but like when we got to was it Rambo Last Blood i i oh. I, I could not believe because I remember when they first came out, uh, my friend Josh and I were like, no, there's no way they can be good. And then I called him last year. I'm like, dude, we fucked up. Like, we... <laughs> <laughs> like you, you need to see these movies yeah. immediately. And he, he called me and he's like, oh, oh, my God, you weren't kidding, man. Like, and, and then the other thing is the fact that I would find that Rambo 5, Rambo 5 Last Blood is probably my favorite
1: one. It was nuts, dude. I got I to gotta say, like, when I was a kid, you had, like, the Russians. <laughs> That's the bad guys. And so it was like, to me, you know, you get out of uh, you get out of the the collapse of the Soviet Union with James Bond and, you know, whatever else. And it was like, there's nobody to concern yourself with unless you're going to make the bad guys the Iraqis, because that was the 90s. And like then it was like, well, what are you going to do, drug dealers? And that's exactly what they did. Yes, it was a hot button issue. You weren't going to get somebody to go beat up people. With a knife and a machine gun and all this stuff in like gang-infested Los Angeles or something—that just wasn't what you did. But then, the uh, the the circle was complete with Rambo in Rambo Five, let Rambo Last Blood with him having to deal with a cartel south of the border who who captured his niece. And put her in a whorehouse, and got her hopped up on—I don't know what it was, heroin or opiates or something like that. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. It was a horrible thing to do, and we've seen that plot before and stuff. Uh, But um, good lord, I mean, what a—it just—you—you never saw—you saw movies where Rambo was exacting a righteous revenge. I don't think necessarily in the first Rambo in First Blood, but that 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 was the case. But like you know, Rambo, First Blood Part Two, and Rambo Three, Rambo Four was astonishing. I've never seen more people explode in my life. Uh, fifty cal, like the fifty cal, the fifty cal. you melee. know, my brother, or I'm sorry, my 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 son. We were looking at. Uh, we were looking at trailers. He's uh, he's really excited about these Kong and uh, Godzilla movies right now. So we watched uh, we watched a, we got to watch about half of Pacific Rim today. He was into it, and um, then uh, we were talking about different uh, caliber machine guns and what they do to to things. And uh, I was like, I'm not I'm not going to show him. I'm not going to show him <laughs> any any scenes from from uh rambo for uh there's just no way why the hell not
0: man let him see it's just
1: not his thing he's not he's not there for that yet i was like dude you want to see a trailer because i was telling him we were talking about like whether or not a monster movie is action or is it supposed to be scary and we were talking i was like dude because blah 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 aliens and he was like, is aliens." is you talk about aliens an awful lot. And I'm like, dude, it's one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. And I was like, I want to show you the trailer. And he's like, no, I'm not ready for that yet. And I'm like, okay, dude, I know you. He's, he's a little bit concerned about the scare quality there. I'm like, man, you know what? You're going to be down to do this like next year, I guarantee it. But He, uh, he didn't even want to watch the, the trailer? He's, that's the thing is he doesn't remember that I've showed him the trailer in the past. Because there was one week I, I, I had him a long time ago where we would uh, we were driving around and I told him the plot to each movie while listening to the music from that movie. And it's just he doesn't recall some of this stuff because he was a little bit younger. And I don't want to say how old he was at the time, but like he's aware of the concept behind it. But uh, at the same time, you know... When you pair the editing, the performance, the special effects, the music, the stuff—when you put it all together, that movie is a masterpiece, and it uh, it 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 can absolutely frighten you if you get it, let it get into your head the right way. So anyway, I don't know, dude. I mean, I, I gotta say a lot of good about Corporal Hicks, though. I'm. Uh, after some stories I've heard from other props persons uh, that worked with Michael Bean, he does not seem like the kind of person I want to be around at all. That sucks. Yeah, and it though.
0: Let's yeah. uh, let's pause and cause, call Morales again, okay? Don't, yeah, don't for real. Don't stop uh, recording. We We're back. Agent sixty nine is back. He had some technical issues. Did you get the? Did, did you get the? Uh, did you get the photo there, brother? I did get the photo. Yes. Now the the, the question of the week. Is you send into Colin and Josh at MindfieldsComicsPodcast Is if you were on a caper, which one of these five gentlemen? <laughs> a caper, a caper. <laughs> a caper. If
1: you are on a caper. Well, it's 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 the perfect <laughs> word. I mean, who's your
0: getaway driver?
1: That's a get, It's a great word. Oh, right? these guys getaway. are
0: not getaway drivers. No, this is this is if it's a like well, <laughs> caper caper insinuates whether or not you're doing something for good or bad, but it's still capericious. A capricious capricious
1: <laughs> capricious i like that is it capricious Cap- No, maybe i don't know
0: capricious it capricious. Is capricious,
1: but i don't think that that has anything to do with capers
0: it does now we walk through minefields goddamn
1: <laughs> there you go yeah
0: all right Solid. So the, the question okay so uh, uh we both landed on john rambo morales
2: what have you got i don't know punisher's pretty badass if, you're, if you had to buffed out, out of somewhere crazy, Punisher might be my go-to.
0: That's a good... You know, he, he never failed. I mean, like, he did rip those guys' eyeballs out.
2: Plus, he's been played by Dolph Lundgren previously.
1: Oh, dude. That's two Punishers on the same page, isn't it? I forgot it about that.
0: I've got that movie on DVD.
1: I've got it on VHS. It's DHS. So
2: epic.
0: It is
1: so epic.
2: So, I mean... Mm.
1: I w- um, I remember watching it on uh, VHS when I was a kid. I remember being on HBO when I was a
0: kid. It was I had to watch it on fucking USA all edited and shit. <laughs> you can't watch up. It's like seven seconds then. <laughs>
2: speaking speaking of which, I I, I I had nightmares for a week the first time I saw it when the uh, they're doing the car chase scene and the guy gets run over by the van. <laughs> hmm. And you all know, it doesn't matter how long it's been since you've seen it. You remember that scene.
0: Exactly. The, the one that gave me nightmares was RoboCop when that dude got hit by that
1: toxic sludge and immediately <laughs> mutated into yeah. this disgusting monster. <laughs> <laughs> that was. I don't know how he was even walking around. I don't even know how anything in that scene. That is an amazing scene. Have you seen, uh, now there's a photo circulating the internet right now of Clarence's gang. In Robocop from Robocop, and then they like the guys all like that crew got back together and had a photo of themselves. I've saw,
0: I've seen that, I, that came out a I while really ago. I dig
1: it, I dig that. You, you know, who I always
0: thought should have been part of Clarence's gang was the guy, he was in a super big punk rock band. It escapes me because I was never that big in a punk, but he was the guy that is in Ferris Bueller's day off when they dropped the car off at the um. Oh really? Uh, he's like, come on, man! Like, you know, like the 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 the, the guy that isn't the black guy. <laughs> he, he's in a big punk band. What
1: country do you think this is? <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was in something yeah, else probably. too. Like that, I would. I really wanted that guy in that. But all uh, right, so Morales, you landed on on Punisher. We've I'm uh, on Punisher yep.
1: I do not decry your uh, your decision. That's 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 a solid decision.
0: Yeah. I wonder we gotta. I gotta figure out. Like I can't, I can't remember. I think I found this on like this one guy who I'm always like debating whether or not I should delete off my Instagram because he's always posting the most heinous shit. But every now and then he's got gold. And this one, this one I popped for, and it just like I really want this like painted on the wall, like the framed, and just like you said. But at the same time, though, did someone make this as like if they were gonna make? Because I know they're making Expendables four. Yeah, like a dream team of guys from the 80s and then just of course you just had to stick Bertha on there because one of good. the reasons why Punisher was so good was because they went back to the classic 80s like mayhem and violence
1: completely yeah when you get that many <laughs> when you get that many bullet shells lying around on the ground for you to like have a marbles moment I mean that's 80s right there well, Let's do I some- don't think Van Damme did Van Damme show up in any of those? Uh, Van Damme was in the third
2: at least
1: one or two okay good good yeah no Van Damme should be in those things Uh, whereas I'm I'm a little surprised that they put uh, Jet Li however you know Jet Li is an amazing badass
0: but he wasn't an 80s badass
1: no he wasn't an 80s badass
0: it should have been. They probably did.
1: They put, did Carl. Carl. Uh, oh, Carl Weathers show up in any of those?
0: You know, it's been a while since I've seen those ones, man. No, I think I
1: know. It's authentically odd how long those movies have been out.
0: I wonder if they didn't get, they couldn't get Carl Carl Weathers, so they got Terry Crews, and they couldn't get Jackie Chan, so they got Jet Li.
1: Dude, you don't need anything but Terry Crews. All right, that's it. <laughs> Terry Crews. He does make everything he does better.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. We should write. All three of us should write a wrestling movie slash action-packed assassin-like revenge film with Terry Crews as our protagonist and Clarence, a.k.a. Red Foreman, as the bad guy. <laughs>
2: yeah. He's was a negative. The moment where he calls Terry Crews a dumbass.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Break his foot off his ass. That's what's, what's going to happen. Just, I just yeah. think he was underrated because he was older and bald and like not as like, good-looking. The, the guy's an excellent bad guy. <laughs> I can see it. Well, let's do some comics, gentlemen. I've got a list yeah. right here. i got a list yeah. right here. We got Darkhawk, uh, 30th Anniversary Redo, Magic the Gathering from Boom Studios, number one, Star Trek Next Generation by John Delaney, another redo from 1990 Annual, number one, number one from IDW, Nocturne, number two, Batman the Detective, one of six, Joker, number two, maybe Excalibur, number 18, and of course, uh, my pick for the week, TMNT, number 115. First appearance at Toka and Razor. No, 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 they they were there the last one, but that was like their, like, you know, like, the, you know, the Venom at 299. Like, it was technically his first appearance, but not his, like, first full-blown appearance. Like, that, that's what's going on. Oh, this, uh, all right. Yeah. But, uh, nice, nice. I've been, uh, I want to give, uh, I want to give Morales the conch on this one, and I want to hear what he's talking <laughs> about, about Batman the Detective number one of six, because this one I'm super torn about
2: i don't know man i really liked it you brought it back uh i think it was from batman r.i.p actually because we see we start off in england wow and freaking i, I want to say it was r.i.p and we'll get to that in a second but they're in uh, there's a plane in land uh Lancashire, england and these guys in white batman suits try to take the plane down and they you know this just they succeed but there, there's an attempt to stop him by Beryl Hutchinson, who's the knight, and freaking she's a superhero in England, and they end up uh, falling out of the plane, and unfortunately the plane does crash, and she's actually shot by one of these uh, people portraying Batman. But there is a, and they, but there's a building next to him that has that says Batman number one forty seven on it. Oh, so that's real interesting um, because, you know, we go to we go to the Batcave and here's Batman. And he's kind of he's dealing with the thought process of being Batman, which is the part I love about this, because like, we never see Batman by himself alone with his thoughts. You know, and Batman's over here. You know, he's thinking about how he's lost. You know, he, he lost Alfred. And this is before the latest incarnation of Batman, because he's still in uh, Wayne Manor at the time. Correct. So this is before, like, this is pre-Joker War. And freaking, but he's over here thinking about, like, what what what, what has he really accomplished as Batman? And he's like, there's still crime. You know, there's, you know, every time I get people, you know, put them in jail, they break out. You know, there's kind of a lot of the a lot of the thought processes that people are really kind of analyze Batman has.
0: The quotes here: Have I stopped crime? No. Have I made Gotham a better place for those I love? No. Alfred is gone. My family's no longer here. So why am I here? Deactivates computer.
1: Oh, oh wow!
2: Yeah. So he's just kind of torn, and like the whole thing comes down to um, the only people you know, the only people that have really been positively affected by him are the people that he saves. And then he ends up uh, looking at this – he ends up leaving the manor. But before he shut the computer off, he sees the crime in England with the plane crash. And he sees that, like I said, there's Batman 147 written on the side of this building. So he he basically decides, I'm going to go to England because this crime literally has my name on it.
0: What is the significance of the 147?
2: Oh, we'll get to that part.
0: Okay, but uh, there's a couple things I want to make sure that that stood out to me in the first place was that uh, I actually kind of am tired of like broody Batman on this one, but like it kind of felt like uh, man, I I feel like I I had the opposite pop because we see that you know Kubert's doing the art, and I'm I'm wondering if this is like a bunch of like fogies telling a story what they think Batman should be because Batman's not what it should be anymore, so that kind of bothered me uh whether i'm right or wrong about that don't forget that the knight actually fell out of the plane and crashed and lived before she got shot and still lived and uh i i, I just thought it was hilarious that the uh, plane that was crashing was jet <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice. That that part.
0: Yeah, just it, just like that, that, that <laughs> joke, like that Futurama joke when like Bender reveals he's he's Mexican. I'm Bender Benny Rodriguez and he opens up that little door, his hatch, and it says Hecho in Mexico, and the hatch Get immediately Mexico. breaks. Mexico. <laughs> Mexico. Immediately yeah. breaks. Uh, but uh, please continue, Mr. Uh, Agent 42? 40... 43. <laughs> 43.
2: Agent 43. I gave 43 shots. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no. Um, uh, I really like it because, like, the whole thing is like we've never really seen Batman grieve for Alfred. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's. It's been mentioned, and like, you know, they even brought him. They brought back. They reanimated his corpse in Joker right. War.
0: That sucked. That that hit hard. Gross. Yeah. that hit. Yeah, hard they re- that
2: one. yeah, they reanimated his corpse, and then he came back for like a scene or two at the end of death metal for like, uh, I think it was like one or two pictures of him. And like, again, as a corpse, because at that time, Bruce Wayne was Bruce Wayne had the, uh, the black lantern ring.
1: Oh yeah. 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 All right.
2: So like, we'd seen a little bit of Alfred sense, but like, we've never really seen Batman like in his thoughts, like, thinking about alfred and mourning alfred and this is kind of like the first real take on that so i thought it was pretty appropriate um so he ends up he ends up going to going to england and he ends up finding he ends up going to where the plane crashed and he ends up running into the squire who is um the sidekick of the night you know and, and they're kind of bantering a little bit and batman is looking for clues and they make fun, uh, she makes fun of his gloves, and he talks about the gloves are because <laughs> the temperature has been dropping to a natural, a natural increment from the moment I arrived. And you, you kind of think like, Batman is just making a joke because, <laughs> oh, they're gloves and his hands are cold. But Don't. Then you're like, Batman really doesn't joke. So you flip the page, and you find out that um, Gentleman Ghost is actually behind the squire. And we're trying to figure out a little bit more about Gentleman Ghost. And turns out he's here because he basically feeds off of fear. And, you know, 146 bodies were found dead. And their last moments were terrified because they were in a plane crash.
1: Okay, yeah.
2: So he ends up, and he ends up going to Batman and grabbing Batman and sticking his hand into Batman to feel his fear. And to talk about what kind of fear, you know, what what scares the Batman, talking about how you know he basically fears letting people down. And the Batman, in like true Batman badassery fashion, literally pulls his hands out, the hand out of his chest, and starts punching the ghost, the gentleman ghost. This is when I popped. You know, and then we, we come to realize these gloves were actually a gift from John Constantine because um, he won him in a card game with a demon because he cheated because he's Constantine.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then he, get, he ended up giving them to Batman because Constantine at the end of the day isn't a fighter. He doesn't like getting his hands dirty like that and Batman has no problems doing that. And for anybody who's like a big Constantine fan, it's like Well fucking course he did because he's Constantine and when's the last time Constantine legitimately threw a punch in a fight with anybody?
0: Or did something nice (laughs) for somebody.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Or did something nice or something nice for absolutely no reason. Nonetheless, Gentleman Ghost ends up leaving and then they they go to the hospital and Batman's like, you know, I'm gonna go visit Squire or visit the knight to get information. And like Squire, quick as a whip, is just like or you could just go to see how she's doing because she's your friend.
0: Right. Uh, the the uh before the page turn, just the uh the, the look on Batman's face as he utters, I've had enough ghosts haunting me. I love he's seeking closure on this one. It's not just justice, it's not just some personal vendetta. He he's looking for some closure here. He's gotta sow some wounds. And then also we cannot glance over this epic bat cape trench coat he's wearing with gauntlets. He's got like the almost like the Spidey Noir like goggles on, like a, a cross between uh, a little bit of what we saw in uh, Last Night on Earth, and then of course Batman and you know Justice League Snyder cut or not. Uh, I'm popping for for the look on mm. this man. I, I I love it.
1: That sounds cool.
2: Yeah, no, it's badass. But yeah, so we end up going and. Um, Batman ends up visiting the knight in the hospital, and like knight, like, knight's just kind of happy to see an old friend. It looks like, and she's like, you know, she, he's she's like, I met Squire. He's like, I met Squire because the Squire's new. Because if you, if I remember if I remember correctly, it's Batman. RIP. The knight was actually the original Squire, and there was another knight that actually died in the uh, in the storyline. I'm not, like I said, I'm not quite sure if it was Batman R.I.P. or not, but I'm pretty sure it is. I'll look it up. But yeah, mm-hmm. so Squ- the Squire ended up graduating to become the Knight and then got a new Squire, which is very reminiscent of when Batman passed away and Dick Grayson took on the cape and cowl for, the, for that period of time. But like, the Knight's basically, it's like, you know, so, you know, did you impress her? And... She, you know, Batman is just like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then she's like, come on. And you know, Batman just looks at her and kind of smiles a little bit. And she's like, I did punch a ghost. <laughs> and she just kind of looks at him. She's like, there it is. That's what I wanted to hear. You know, so they're talking about, you know, the crime scene and whatnot. And Batman is talking about um, how his, you know, he's got his computer kind of putting stuff together on the, uh, on the passenger list. And then he talks about how the A.I. is detective hostiles and we turn around and the group of Batman in the in the white bat suits are storming the hospital. And Squire by herself, and she's got to be early teens from the look of her, is just ready to fight all these guys by herself. And then Batman just kind of calmly puts his hands on his shoulder and is like, it's okay." And he's like, you know, I've got a whole lot of frustration. He's older. You know, he's like, I'm not, you know, I don't heal as quickly as I used to.
0: Step aside, like, butch. Yeah.
2: You, <laughs> you, yeah. You never, you, you don't attack, you don't, you don't attack people in the hospital. No. So just ends up kind of going to war with, with these guys and they end up falling out of the side of the hospital, like from like the second story or so. God, <clears throat> yeah. looks like it's about <clears throat> the third story, fourth story. Batman lands on him, he's like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't heal nearly as quickly as I used to. But he ends up taking down the rest of the, of the, the evil Batman to the point where they run. And, you know, he gets back into the building to see, make sure the knight and squire are okay. You know, and she's like, are you you hurt? And He's like, I'm fine. He's, and she's just, she quickly responds, you know, you don't look fine, you look like you need a hospital look hey mm-hmm. we're standing in one how convenient and we see that batman's got a rope hanging out the side of the window and you know what's it inquires like what's at the end of this cable and batman just responds hopefully answers so as they're pulling this guy up the computer <laughs> beeps that it's done and it turns out that it's a hundred percent match so first off the 147 on the building was 147 people that were supposed to be killed in that plane crash. It's 146 because the knight survived. And se- secondly, we find out that every single person that was on that plane was somebody that Batman had saved at one point or another. So they're literally trying to erase all the good that Batman's done. And I, th- I, like, I popped hard. When I read that, that was some serious The last chills. line, yeah, is that somebody's trying to undo all the good I've done. Hmm. So we're left with the question of who's trying to undo all the good that Batman's done over the last, you know, eighty, ninety years. At this point, <laughs>
0: eighty, ninety years. Well, we yeah. got to do some armchair booking on this one, man, because like we've got a lot of different factors here. First off, we have a true blue, dyed-in-the-wool detective story here. Batman is completely out of his element. and He's not in Gotham. He has very little resources. He's got his, you know, his Away suit on. I know that, that might not seem to a lot to a lot of people, but the Away suits are always a big deal in any cartoon or any book. Uh, and we we got that chill, like, you know? You pop, man, I got chills, man. I got serious goosebumps. on some like he is but we've got a supernatural element they're already introducing. We've got the yep. el, we've got the element that uh Knight is already like how many, you know, how young have you sent them out there? I mean like, you know, uh we've got uh, what's the word? You know, uh long lost friends. We've got people trying to dress, you know, like I mean they're literally I mean if you think about it, these evil Batman are trying to be the antithesis, they're wearing all white. Yeah, they're like mm-hmm. the, the like okay. a white
2: knight, as it were, you know. But it's like, you know, why? Why would they? Why are they trying to undo all the good Batman's done? You know, who would be that diabolical, and why is it Hugo Strange? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right. Or, or like a long lost relative of Alfred? Or something you know, like I would be pretty pissed if we, we are, are in England. England. We, we are in England. England. Good point. That's that's the best I can pull out, man. Because like we already got the, we got the morning there, just like you said. Like maybe you know we we see Batman mourn for truly the first time. Maybe we get to mm-hmm. see some some people that we don't know that we should know already mourn as well, and why they'd be pissed. I mean, like uh I mean, morning is already like when we talk about like Joker. Uh, you know, like someone's little brother got killed. <laughs> we blood needs to be uh, spilt.
2: Yeah. If I remember correctly, I think Alfred had a niece at one point or another. Yeah. Perhaps she yeah. might be involved.
0: Hmm. Well that you we know, we uh we're probably gonna be right in more sense than the other, but at least uh at least at least it's fun to like have a comic book where we're actually speculating as opposed to like whether or not we're excited to buy it or see it next week. We're actually like ah, I really wanna know. <laughs> like this is gonna weigh on me. Hmm
2: it's interesting to think of you know how many times we get a detective story or a Batman story where Batman is really playing the role of a detective. Like normally telling me. No kidding. It's been a while. Like if they could do it, like where they're you know, we're following clues and trying to pe- put the pieces together, I am down.
0: Well, we'll see. I'm just happy Kubrick's back, man. He's one of my favorites since I was a child. Mm.
1: Colin, give us the next one, brother. Uh, Let's... uh, What do we got here? Dude, yeah, I'm going to hit this Darkhawk. The last time we met, I talked about the uh, solicitation ad that I saw for this Darkhawk 30th anniversary one shot. Um, It's called Darkhawk Heart of the Hawk number one. I don't think this is the launch-off point because at the tail end of this, there's a one page that said says coming later this year, Darkhawk soars again. But uh, dude, this was literally the best love letter to Darkhawk that I've ever seen. Um, this is a, is is th- it's what I thought or speculated on would happen. It's a it's three vignettes about the character, and uh, yeah, if you don't know what what Darkhawk is. Like 1990, 91, they needed a new Spider Man because there was this idea that, well, you know, it's been 30 years since Spider Man came to be. That means we need to figure out whether or not he's aging or what we're going to do with it. And for a minute, they were like, yeah, he moves to Portland and the Scarlet Spider takes over and Mary Jane goes with Peter and they have a kid and Aunt May's going to get old and die. And then they were like, yeah, we can't do that. We don't want to do that. This is a bad idea. Clone Saga goes on and on and on and on but for a minute there they introduce this new teen character who has a lot of down on his luck problems now whereas Peter Parker was a hopeless nerd Chris Powell is a relatively reasonable teenager he's got a girlfriend he needs to look after his twin brothers who are younger than he is and his mom is an assistant DA who is trying to take down a New York crime boss, Philip Bazin. Well, where's the father in all of this? Mike Powell has disappeared from the family. He's an NYPD cop who has just disappeared. And uh, they don't know if he's working, if he's undercover, if something horrible has happened to him or what. Well, Chris Powell is chased by some goons into an amusement park one night where he encounters an amulet. And when he grabs the thing, it uh, activates and he switches places with an Android body that's armored and has the claw that is actually a claw cable that he uses like kind of like daredevils Billy club it like slings out a, a claw and lets him like zip up into the sky and whatever and then he's got a helmet on he sees things in infrared and whatever he's got some glider wings under his arms and he's not exactly bulletproof but he can take a shot and he also has the amulet embedded in his chest when he's in the android armor the reason he knows it's armor because when he gets shot he realizes that there's techno organic material beneath and when he switches back to chris he's not still shot but when he switches back into Darkhawk, a new armor has replaced the injured one. So he doesn't understand this, and he and he's terrified to take the helmet off while he's wearing the armor. And he gets into a lot of fights that in, that uh, involves uh, Spider-Man and Captain America, and uh, he gets into some trouble with Venom. He gets into trouble with Lodestone, um, Tombstone a variety of low-level characters. Demo Goblin was a big guy he was always dealing with. And, uh, of course, he's using this vigilante power he's developed in an effort to find his father and encounter... and to try to take down Philip Bazin. uh, But uh, who's, you know, by that point, targeted his family for murder. Mm. So while he's dealing with all of the regular teenage issues... Not making his dates, not being at home in time to look after his kid brothers and all of this stuff because he's out there superheroing. It is a good um, facsimile of Spider-Man for the 90s. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of people just blew this off in the world of the creators. And then by the time it got to issue, I don't know, 40 or something, there was this whole cosmic mafia B.S. concept that was going on and then it got rewritten by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning when they were doing uh, Guardians and that overriding was so much better that it's the previous material is totally retconned and uh, so you had Chris Powell as Darkhawk in space doing stuff with uh, Richard Ryder Nova and Peter Jason Quill, Star-Lord from the Guardians of the Galaxy and they were all super pals and they did a bunch of cool crap together but what in the retcon you eventually find out that the Darkhawk armor is never meant for humans and so being that the case he cannot access all of its full powers but he starts experimenting with it and discovering that there are very there are varying uh capabilities that he's not familiar with to make it like a super weaponized system on par with like war machine or uh, various iron mans and stuff like that. And um, the thing is he knows that the energy that's involved is uh, null space. So he gets tied up with dire wraiths, which were the villains in the ROM space Knight series. He get, he realizes that, other characters wearing this armor are called the Brotherhood of the Raptors, and they're this intergalactic—they're um, this intergalactic secret society that are finding their way into the court of every interplanetary government. So the Shi'ar have experienced things with the Raptors, and of course they rep- appreciate it because they're bird-themed. Uh, you know, like the Spart- Spartax um the like i don't know if the brood necessarily the kree the scroll all of these people have had advisors from the from this secret society and usually they're coming in like worm tongue from the two towers suggesting things pushing things maneuvering to get something to happen and it's all to their benefit ultimately so when they realize he's got one of their armors and they're like, you're not supposed to have this, they all come after him and it's all a problem. So the lo- the, the joy of this book is that it takes place in three different time periods. Uh, it starts out very quickly after he has become a, a superhero in New York. Um, the artwork is not very 90s. But uh, it's it yeah it's just way too contemporary for me to be like oh it'd be great that this was the 90s they didn't even go into the like tricolor pixelations or something like whenever you see all of these other things like the Dark Hawk or the uh, Daredevil anniversaries or you know whenever people are like reminiscing about stuff and they go into they show you the pointillation technique from the old color the old like tricolor aspect of comic printing. I I was really hoping for something like that, but they just blew it off completely. Um, He swoops in to rescue uh, his arch nemesis daughter, Allegra, uh, who becomes a semi-occasional love interest in the early stories, even though he has a constant girlfriend. But, um, you know, it's too compelling for him not to be interested But at the same time, he's like, "Ah, I can't do this. This is my archenemy's girlfriend or archenemy's daughter and stuff like that. However, you know, he's always hoping that he can, like, turn her or get her to reveal information about her her father's evil deeds. So but like in this situation, out of nowhere, uh, a character called Savage Steel appears. And this was an attempt by the NYPD to create a Punisher type character awesome. that they controlled, <laughs> and and uh, he was like also very well. I mean, you know, they were like, "Yeah, we got this Punisher guy running around, and he's messing up the mob." But let's create a character that no one's going to be able to know who it is, and will find it. So there's this like secret cabal of NYPD, and they have some kind of resources to develop an armor, a weaponized armor that's like a low-grade Iron Man that can go in and tear up the bad guys any way they see fit. So there's a, a little bit of a star chamber concept going on there. And of course, Daredevil runs afoul of it. But what we don't find out until many, many issues later, it's that his father is piloting the Savage Steel armor and uh, so they come into they come into fights against one another on a recurring basis and savage steel is like the good guy boy scout concept does not work you know we got to take these guys down hard and uh he and Dare, dark hawk keeps getting in the way so it's one of these things where he's like look I know we're on the same side and we don't want civilians to get hurt but I'm going to fight you and kill you if that's what I've got to do to get you out of the way so I can accomplish my missions. <clears throat> so that's where it leads off in this is that uh, it reevaluates that relationship and it gives you that major drama in the in the earliest part of the storylines in the in the early 90s when this came out. Then it jumps ahead to the next phase that we can all respect about the character uh when he was involved in the war of the kings which is the dan Abnett andy landing material i talked about that was a massive war between the inhuman led cree and the uh the scrolls um i'm sorry wait a minute the shiar i'm sorry the shiar who were controlled by vulcan one of the brothers of cyclops and um this is in the. This story takes place in the aftermath of that that war, where both Richard Rider, the no, you know the titular Nova character, and Peter Quill, Star Lord, had been killed in that war. Uh, because apparently Star Lord's been killed a few times, and um, they make it a big deal in all of the Guardians books. But like, you're just killing people and bringing them back to life like willy nilly. It doesn't make any impact on me as a reader so uh anyway you get this sequence where chris powell shows up at this cantina and is talking to aliens and he's just like look i'm just trying to get some supplies and uh though he's looking for trouble and he realizes that there is a brood nest hiding in this place so he gets into a fight with them and he beats them down and then he realizes you know he's and his whole concept is like We can't let the brood take over everything just because everybody's weakened right now. But then he then I didn't expect this. He gets to a point where where he's talking to the uh, what is it called here? Because I'm not terribly familiar with this material when it when it gets into that time period of him. He's getting the data song. So the armor is talking to him from null space, and it's giving him information through memories. Of other Darkhawk armors, and he's also getting his own memories back, and it's like, no, you got to make sure this wall doesn't collapse. Like you didn't let it collapse when you fought Savage Steel. So I dig that because there was a cohesive through through line with all of the writers of these different storylines in this one issue, saying, "Let's do do something co- co- uh, cohesive so that it all it all ties back together," and. Uh, I just think that's appropriate and well, well well-reasoned. So, you know, he ends up like, oh, you know, not letting a bunch of people get crushed and they don't necessarily thank him for it because they're like, oh, we just rebuilt this place and now you wrecked it. And he's like, yeah, but I made sure you didn't all get killed and eliminated by, you know, like taken over by the brood. But uh, you don't have to thank me. I'm just going to get out of here and go do what I got to do. I just want you to know that there are people looking out for you all. Sorry, things get wrecked, you know. So then it jumps ahead to now. And Chris Powell is a mess. He's in a starship. He is recording his, basically his uh, memoirs. And he is he's at the end of his ropes and he's at the end of the ship's power. Apparently he has discovered some kind of fissure in space where the next big horrible thing is about to come from another part of the universe or another dimension and the power of his starship's engines in some kind of cyclic overdrive system is keeping that fissure from allowing what's on the other side through and he's hoping that someone was going to come and help him but he is out of energy and he's done and he's like Okay, so I'm recording this information and I'm encasing it in the amulet that makes me Darkhawk and I'm going to fire that into space. So my, my, hope, my hope is that he has recorded his entire life story into the amulet and he's sending it and it's going to find its way through time back to the original moment with Chris where whoever is going to be Darkhawk next can receive the amulet and learn from his sacrifice. If this was truly the end of Chris Powell, I would take it because he is unfortunately the redheaded stepchild of the Marvel universe. That was how it was portrayed to me by another comics insider who uh, writes professionally and that I talked to about this character a long time ago. And it was like this devastating thing that no one wanted to do anything better with him. And he has been this character twisted in the wind. He got stuck in the team, the losers, for a while. He got stuck in that, like, uh, Avengers Academy or something. I don't even remember it. But, like, every time Darkhawk comes up, I'm at a loss. And because they nobody seems to want to utilize him properly. It's the same thing with, like, Machine Man and stuff like that. It drives me crazy that people don't take all of these characters seriously and develop them based on what their capabilities are. So, like, we have this unfortunate dude from the 90s in, like, if they were saying we're going to transfer the amulet to a wholly new character and they're going to have the benefit of this other version of them their entire experience, so they can learn faster how to deal with things. It's like getting the new Blue Beetle several years ago. You know, interesting, like, good, that would... good analogy. Yeah. I don't know why our protagonists have to get stuck being the same person. I could, I would never have a problem with. I love Sam Wilson, the Cap, the Falcon. I'm like, do that. Make somebody else be Captain America. There should be. Every Captain America should team up as a Captain's America squad. That's its own damn book right there. And so give the amulet to somebody else and let them be Darkhawk. And then let them encounter Chris Powell after this next crisis. And he's like, no, you can be Darkhawk. I'm going to go on and continue to be Chris Powell out here in space, doing cool shit, trying to deal with the null space, trying to stop dire race. Trying to stop the raptors and you can chime in and help me when you're not stuck on earth doing you know the punch-ups on the new york city streets or whatever you're going to end up doing my favorite thing that dark hawk ever was was he was like the security consultant for the project pegasus and that didn't last very long i just thought that was absolutely solid but then of course joshua you and i know that we had far better things in mind for him. (laughs) We were really, you know, completely invested. We were working on it. Yeah. I mean, like, what a great character in that, in that moment, because you take, you know, you take these damaged personas and stick them in situations where they can really do something and it's absolutely worth it. But um, I, dude, this is my favorite Darkhawk iteration of story that has come out in literally decades uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do next with it. If Chris still has the amulet and he's involved in some next gigantic situation, fine. I just hope they're not blowing it off like <clears throat> the opportunity presents itself to do something cool. I hope they don't blow it off like the whole recent 2020 thing in Iron Man. I hope they don't you know, just botch it completely. Tie him in. I'm like, why is not? Why is Darkhawk not been one of the Guardians of the Galaxy? If you can do, if you can do Guardians with like Bug and Jack of all trades, or Jack Jack Flag and like uh, all of these weird like F list nowhere'sville characters, <laughs> Darkhawk should have been in there a long time ago. Darkhawk should have been operating out of nowhere. Darkhawk should have been like working directly with cosmo or something like that the opportunities to play him up properly have been totally totally knocked off but i'm just saying i like this book if you pick it up and you're a Darkhawk fan i don't think you're going to be disappointed i think you're going to be impressed i think you're going to see this consistent through line and the opportunities for a whole bold new direction with him and i hope it works out That's what I got there. What do you guys got questions? Anything?
0: No, man. You
1: you covered the shit out of that.
2: That sounds solid, man. What's what's the null space?
1: Uh, Null space is this. It is a tangential reality that like don't think of it as the scope of being an entire universe necessarily. It's kind of more. I'm not going to call it two dimensional. I'm going to call it like it's a pocket reality. So whenever we saw null space depicted in the uh, Dark Hawk related books during the Dark Hawk Ascension was a title that was a one or two shot that happened during War of the Kings and during like Rise of the Shi'ar Empire, it's that vague time period. Uh, it's like the dire wraiths exist on this tree and they're not exactly uh hatched properly they're not exactly built to fruition but they detect him and they're like no we can't let you be here because you are you are a problem and it's just it's this iffy mess really it's not something that's very um cohesive it's supposed to be abstract because it's beyond what we're as people it's beyond what chris powell as a teenage to 20 something to maybe a 30 something who's never fully mastered his powers is capable of accepting and understanding, but he's there and he's stuck there until he's able to be retrieved or he finds his way out. It's, it's, it's basically a MacGuffin in the story when you get a dreamlike state or you get somebody who is in a coma and they have to find their way out through a metaphor. Right. So null space is, okay. null space is also something that I think they return to with some frequency in the ROM space night comics. I'm I'm trying to pick those up and see what I can ascertain from them. Because that's another weird thing. As a toy license that came to Marvel they would occasionally be like, well, let's see if we can boost sales by sticking the X-Men in an issue or something. Like, what the hell are the X-Men doing in a Space Knight (laughs) book? You know, the Space Knights of Galador. And then, you know, the Space Knights never get their due because if they're an existing, like, peacekeeping force, then I feel like they would recur. But every time anybody launches that title, nothing. it never gets past, like, issue three. Oh, Though wow. I did appreciate when there was a space night in the Annihilators, uh, very short-lived book incorporating like Ronan the Accuser, Sova Surfer, uh, Beta Ray Bill, and um, a couple other guys. I can't even remember it now. I have to go back and revisit it. It was, it was cute. It was a cute book. Oh, oh, uh, Gladiator of the Shi'ar Empire. It was like a, it was like a cosmic Avengers super force. Bunch of, like, Omega-level baddies, bad, like, badasses doing good guy stuff in space. And, like, there was a Galador space knight. So it's one of these things where the diaries were the villains in the ROM book. So to get them paired into Darkhawk, it was like, dude, you guys are really going out there and appreciating cosmic Marvel and all of its possibilities. How did we let so, Beta Ray Bill slip, number one slip by us from two weeks ago? what there was a oh dude i don't know i'm to check into that yeah i can't believe i we, thought beta ray bill was in trouble recently when thor yeah but took there's stormbreaker from, from him from the pages of danny cates Bater, Bater danny bill had, Kate's. good stuff you know what i did not do when i read this book i just got into it because i was excited about it i'm gonna go see who is attached to this oh there you go no wonder that was so good We've got uh, we've got the second the second vignette in this story is is written by Dan Abnett. Nice, hell yes, All right. absolutely, hell yes, uh, yeah. This was this was this was. I'm just glad to have it. This is really good.
0: I got two. I got two. I want to I want to do just it. briefly go through. Not too hardcore, but. TMNT number 115, first full mm-hmm. appearance of Toko and Roser. It was so it was delightful. <laughs> uh, Bebop and Rocksteady crush a uh, an underground uh, punk rock show, and uh, you know they're, they they take over. They want to play the they want to play their instruments. I mean they really. But while this is going on, uh, Toko and Roser are going crazy. But they're also babies. They, like they really utilize the, the story from back in the day. Like they're babies and. Uh, uh, the one person that can help him is in the hospital, and Leo's like, "Put her, put her on Facetime." They're trying to grab a phone to get this girl who's in the hospital to calm these guys down. And it's it's a knockdown drag out. And while it's happening, Bebop and Rocksteady get challenged to a. Uh, uh, a, a rock off. <laughs> you uh, you guys leave forever, or if you win, you guys can play at the club every day. <laughs> and, but enough to distract them to, to calm down Token Rouser. And but the thing is, is that they are probably about two stories tall. Oh wow! They are two stories tall. The artwork is phenomenal. Uh, it, it, a lot of fun. But I wanted to go into Joker Number Two, man, because I I. I T M N T was my like the little the twelve year old in me was happy with this one. But Joker number two, how hard did you pop on this one?
2: It was pretty solid, man. Freaking it's it's a great continuation and it's another in depth like psychological look at a at a mainstream character and Jim Gordon, you know? You- so, like it's it goes to another basic thought process of if we just killed the Joker off, there'd be no problems.
0: I'm, I'm I'm sure booking this in the beginning, man. I'm thinking this is going to be Gordon Swanson on this one, man. I don't know. I, don't, I I can't.
2: They I mean they just killed off Alfred. I can't see them killing off another major Batman of uh, you know stuff, part of the Bat family.
0: <laughs> from from a uh, from a Booker holding the pencil sense, is it a terrible idea to do that?
2: <laughs> that quickly, I would say, yeah. Uh, freaking, just could, because you know, you can't. Just, if if it like, the more you just uh, kill people off, the less impact it's gonna have. Well, like when, the fact that Alfred still hasn't come back, and it's probably been what two, three, two years. Two and, and years a half.
0: Later? So it's been about two and a half years. Yeah, and I mean that's that's amazing.
2: I mean, even the little bit we talked about earlier, but then bringing him back in like zombie form, ish. That wound was, is still like, fresh. Yeah, and it's just like two and a half years later and we still haven't real Batman still hasn't like dealt with it and he hasn't just come back or they didn't just revamp him freaking because, you know, they kind of did their little slight revamp with freaking uh, Infinite Frontier. You know, I totally expected them to like wake up the next morning and there's Alfred with his toast. Right. <laughs> and there, there was no Alfred. There was no toast. What the brother are going to do
0: to get some toast around here? Don't, don't. They agree making him no toast, <laughs> dude. I uh, I always think about offer when it comes to toast. <laughs> exactly. It's got to be who, who? Okay, so within the first so couple pages, I get pages, one
2: of them like freaking
0: toaster with like a
2: Romulan face on it or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> he just gently butters it and jam, you know.
0: The ge- the the ge- it. You, you
2: gotta
0: you gotta help me out here. <laughs> <laughs> you got to help me out of here. Who is this wonderful woman that is getting injected by venom in every orifice and vein Uh on the uh th- that's obviously the uh the prison that held Bane, right?
2: Yeah, it's Santa Prisca. It's it's the prison where he came from. And apparently he's got we, like we talked about it briefly in it was Amber for the Batman or Detective, the last one we did. But um they had the shrine in like little Santa Prisca in Gotham, like a subsection of Gotham to Bane. And it's the entire wall. Right. And now we're coming back to Santa Prisca where the prison he broke out of, you know, before he was Bane, he was this guy that was his mother, you know, his father murdered a guy and it ran off. So his mom had to serve his prison sentence. And then, you know, she was pregnant with him and he was born into the prison and raged in the prison and was like he, he feast on rats when he was bad and had to go into the hole you know and this is where he started his whole story starts out in this prison and now we see that there are people look, basically looking to duplicate what they did to bane and the whole thing is they did it to x amount of guys beforehand and bane was the only one strong enough to survive it and now you know he's basically got followers and worshipers trying to duplicate the process. So it's uh, I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen with this. I don't think, I think this is going to be a brand new character. We don't know, but it'll be interesting to see.
0: It's it's going to be someone that's going to be like, it's it's going to be perfect. Like at the end when we are like, how did we not see the owls coming out? Like <laughs> message today, like, God damn it. How did we not see the owls? But like, there's so much character development going on here with so many different characters. But at the same time though, like, we're, we're so focused on Gordon. Like, like this isn't even that big of an issue. Like, what is this, maybe, like, 30 pages? Not even. But, like, the the breakdown with Gordon, like, yeah, the, the, the ragtagness of it really makes me happy. Like, he's got the, the little flashlight uh, out of his apartment door. And, you know, Batman shows up. Hey, it took you long enough. He's not your most effective signal, Jim. And, like, <laughs> he brings him in. And, and uh, the reason I'm thinking, like, swan song here is because this is from everything i've encountered in stories like this this is like the old grizzled vet do i i've gone far enough i can't do anything more i have i really don't think jim feels he has anything more to offer especially after this, the the death of his uh uh you know son his and son. and then also he the the big reveal that he's known that uh, barbara has been you know bat oracle the whole goddamn time like uh, man i like had to put the book down for that one man Like,
2: yeah, I mean, he's a he's a detective. He's a commissioner. You know, it'd almost hmm. be insulting if he didn't. Like that that part totally made sense. And it's like, uh, well, of course, he knew. and it's like the question is now, though. And like the reason he even talks about it in the book is like, you know, he threw that card out there because he knew what what, you know, he wants Batman to wonder. What else does he know? What else has he known this whole time? You know, does he know who Batman is? Has he, I mean, he, he's probably figured it out years ago. Years ago. But he, and if he does know, and, he, and, and if he doesn't say it, is he keeping it for a later date?
0: It's going to happen or on is, this one. Is he,
2: is he going to end up using it against Bruce or to save Bruce from some other thing at some later point?
1: I hope he knows. I really hope he does. He's got to know. I don't know. think it
0: would make any sense. He didn't... But he didn't use it against Barbara, remember? He, like, he... Like... He he should have been mad at Barbara, not him showing up, you know, and she's, like, you know, demanding him meet her, and then he shows up with her hot chocolate. Like, she should have been there with all his favorite shit, like, you know, okay, Dad, I'm a little sorry. Like, I lied to you. Um, I should have, you know... You know, after everything that happened with Joker in the first place, like, why is he the one eating crow on this one? And, you know... She's hooking him up with, you know, the 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 intercom, you know, he doesn't she doesn't give him carte blanche with the uh, the bat computer, but you know, but within reason and in Batman, you know, he's not he's no dummy. He knows what he Barbara calls him, like you're you you do not know if you want to kill him or not. Like, don't. Remember she called him out in his lie? I mean, I was so I I popped really hard on that one. He's like, Promise me what did he say? He's like, Promise me you won't uh do something. And he's like, uh, uh Where is it
2: here? I won't do it unless you say I can. Yeah,
0: and then she points out, I also want to point out that he didn't promise jack shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, no. The whole
2: reason he goes to Barbara, though, is because at the end of the day, like, he's still guilting over if he's going to kill Joker or not. Like, he's still considering it, and the mere fact that he's considering it makes him guilty.
0: Like, 100%. That's like, why that's the crow he's eating. Yeah, that's the
2: crow oh, yeah. he's eating. That's the whole thing is that like he just he he's not sure one way or the other. Like if push comes to shove, a will he sh- will he pull the trigger, and b can he even bring himself to if he if he thinks he's going to do it now?
0: Right.
2: Like thinking about it and doing it are two completely different things.
0: Exactly. You
2: know, plus, there's the fact that freaking you know, like if you're doing if you if you shoot a man in self-defense. It's a world different than going out after a guy, pulling, putting a gun to his head, and pulling the trigger. Agreed. Two completely different concepts. The other a man who's upheld the law for twenty-five, thirty years, like Gordon, you know, if you if you've been that honest cop the whole time, especially if you've been an honest cop in Gotham, mm. where like everybody's a piece of crap. <laughs> yeah, and, and remember, you, you've got you've got to you. you that's twenty five, thirty years
0: you're throwing away. And and don't forget, they went in depth on that, like uh, about how he could have how he was worried about not being able to afford the next kid. You know, he could have done it, but then mm-hmm. and he, then he says, you know, not for all the you know not for all the money in the world. No, not not gonna do it. But now. We're at a point where he's considering it, and then we end up with like the, this new con. Like, like I, I was really happy with this concept that like that there's a bunch of like resorts for supervillains When he's like telling the story about whether he, he meets that spy, you ever wonder where they go when they're not causing trouble? And then the the concept is <laughs> that, the the concept is that there's a bunch of like exotic resorts along the, all over the world where. Like, yeah, the, the supervillains can come and, you know, stay here for X amount of time and they get, you know, to stay here for free and luxury because it's only going to make the hotel look good. Because uh, if Joker's hiding here, they can advertise, like, hey, even Batman can't find Joker here. And that's why they get to stay for free. And then the the, the story that this was set up by the Nazis for their own, <laughs> their own vacation purposes. Oh. Yeah, yeah. and... We get Joker. He's murdered. A, he murdered the, the next door neighbor. We get this Bond villain guy that's even more grotesque than than, than Two Face. I mean, it, half that's his dead face dead. is yeah. <laughs>
2: half the, his face is gone. One of his eyes is gone. It's literally down to the skull. Literally down to the skull. And yet he's in a suit. And
0: he's got that. He's got that that Miami uh, khaki white suit on. Like you know, like just. Give him the uh, the, he doesn't give him the ultimatum. I'm like, hey, you know, we'd really like if you leave. Like, <laughs> well, the, that was a nice way to put it. <laughs> like, hey, yeah, the the bodies. Yeah, I'm not leaving. The the bodies are getting. Uh, they're starting to stink. Get rid of that shit and uh, make sure your tailor's got a lot of purple and green. And I already moved the uh, the main target this way. And he knows what's <laughs> going on. And but don't forget, this is this is post Joker War Joker. I mean, like he's missing an eye. You, you get that that red gleam. Remember. Mm. Hmm. There, there was so much going on here and then the tete a tete with Barbara and and then when and the, the little things like when when Gordon's taking his glasses off and in the in the in the uh, reflection is Joker from Killing Joke. Like that's that's what he's seeing. He's he's a million miles away but he's still there and he's got a big decision to make. Like but I think the real question here is is whether or not if he decides to kill the Joker Canny.
2: Yeah. When push comes to shove, is he going to be able to pull a bullet in his head?
0: Right. But then we got to rewind because we don't really know for sure whether or not Three Jokers was canon or not because it was just on the cusp.
2: I want to point out one quick little thing about the design of this Joker. Please. The eye that he lost, he never blinks. If you look oh. at the pages, he always has his. Uh, like, there are certain pages where his other eye is closed, but the one he lost, oh. friggin', is the one he lost when Harley shot him in the eye. Really? Never closes.
0: That's a good point, man. I never would have noticed that. That's awesome. Yeah, I,
2: I'm, I'm looking through it right now, and I just noticed it. This
0: is definitely one of those ones. I feel like if you haven't got
2: it yet you fucked up it's not on the it's not on the show anymore oh yeah no it's it's freaking it's a, it's super solid and like i said it's it's one of those books <laughs> that makes you think you know, like if you were in that situation you know he's lo- he, he lost his son joker took his kid away and like he talks about like maybe you know if he had been more supportive would his son have gone down that path and pushed that far to get to that point where Joker killed him. You know, and he blames himself for that, which, you know, that, that survivor's Guild is a hell of a drug, especially when you yeah. were put in a position where, you know, somebody, somebody hurt somebody you care about because, you know, you weren't there as you felt you could have been.
1: I guess it's a question of whether or not somebody's into, truly incorruptible, ultimately.
0: Oh.
2: Yeah, so we got, you know, so Batman's after Joker. We've got Gordon after Joker. We've got, you know, Crescenda and her people after Joker. And then we turn around and we have um, this group of people in Texas, these criminals in Texas. And turns out that one of their one of the the lead guy, his brother was in Arkham when Joker gassed the place. They were just about to get him out, and died because of that. So now this this group of criminals in Texas in looks like Hooper County, Texas, are just are coming for Joker as well. And then we turn around back in Santa Prisca, and it appears that this female Bane. Um, has survived. Uh, you the venom process, and they're like, you know, the people here, the doctors are here, and they're saying, you know, can you under, can you hear me? Yes. Do you know who the enemy is? And as she, the lady puts on the Bane mask, she just says Joker. So we've got four or five different people looking out to come after the Joker, and then we find Crisita. And, you know, she's talking about restoring honor to her family and somebody's presenting her with a box and she opens the box and she puts on the owl mask and turns out she's um, just rejoining the her family's lineage is now rejoining the Court of Owls. So the Court of Owls are now the people who have hired Jim Gordon to take out the Joker. So all in all, I think
1: it's a hell of an interesting read so far. Badass. That's the sound of me nodding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm getting to that yeah. allergy portion of the show here.
2: Oh, no, no. Yeah. You, you got to get to that Star Trek portion of the show. Shoot.
1: <laughs> and I'll bust that out real fast here. That, that is the best segue ever, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty boss uh this is a this is a pretty fun read uh i picked this up not realizing that it is a reprint of the 1990 number one annual for star trek the next generation by dc comics this is an idw book and when you even see you look at the front cover it's uh painted it's a painted reproduction of the original cover the original cover being uh uh you know like a pen is by jk moore um they've even like blo- they've even like blued out the dc mm. I wonder about that stuff like racing history they get to damn snowflakes they get to uh reproduce any of this stuff because they did that with the G.I. Joe, we talked about that recently. Now I think they put this out because obviously we're all apparently very excited that John DeLancey is coming back as Q in the Season 2 of Picard. So this is definitely a tie-in, it's uh, a push. But uh, the writer of this book is uh, John DeLancey, and additional dialogue is Michael Jan Friedman, who did a lot of Star Trek writing in the 90s. Um, so uh, this issue is called The Gift, and it's 54 pages long. Basically, this fireball with a face is hurtling its way towards the Enterprise, and uh, people on board start having memory issues, which pertains directly to Q's involvement in the situation. So Picard gets whisked away by Q. I'm sorry. First, Picard start, Captain Picard starts being evolved or devolved into a goat. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Picard then is incapable of communicating with Q, and of course he just messes with him about that. But he zips him away and he says, like, we're going to go back to your original home and see your family. Well, Picard is back to normal, and he's excited because he wants to see his father, who is deceased at this point, in his career. So this is the past. Well, Q, his, his parents are like, you're not our, our son. We don't recognize you. And then they call Jean-Luc to come downstairs, and it's Q. Picard can't really take it. They kind of get into a punch-up. <clears throat> you know, Q uses his powers to evade these things. And then the Enterprise crew at the same time is like, how do we figure out where they are? And Geordi goes on this whole thing about, well, there's time travel involved. If we're taking these little little pieces of minute detail, then uh, you know anything can happen if we do this the wrong way. We could alter time and you know bone ourselves completely. Well, Picard, meanwhile, is saying, "Q, this is ridiculous the way you're doing this. So, if you want, uh, I will. You've got to provide me with a challenge that's possible for me to win." And obviously you can't make it impossible for me to communicate with you so take me back to my family and let me prove to them that i am who i say i am i'm their son uh through recollections and story and memory and so he goes back and he's he tells he tells this tale to his father and his and it's just like this competing degree of memory evidence They go back and forth over things and Q continually gets the upper hand. And it's not so much the idea that his father is going to say, oh, yeah, of course you're my son. I recognize this story. But the plausibility of probable evidence where Q, in the guise of being Picard, can... um, Can he read his thoughts? Sorry? Can Q,
0: like the thoughts from him? I mean, obviously he's got godlike powers, but does he, is he able to
1: do that? I don't really think that he is, but Q, of course, could visit any time in the blink of an eye and see what Picard is talking about thereby outwitting him with his powers Go and get the cliff in, notes Yeah, exactly Go back and be like, oh, okay, well I figured this out, and you know, I've got Picard by the by the hair now, if you want to call it that. But that's what he keeps doing. Meanwhile, Riker is smart enough to realize you know, we don't have to go chasing around the galaxy to figure this one out. We don't need to race back to Earth because clearly uh, Q has taken the card to Earth and the past, that is. Um, so we need to be here when he reappears. And if Q comes with him victorious, then he can whisk us away however he wants to. Like, it's awesome because the crew is all still participating in this situation at the height of their capabilities. And so that part is really well written. At the same time, Wesley goes down to talk to Guinan, and she's like, I can't really participate in this because I I made an agreement with Q at some time. Ago, and uh, even though I know that this is, I know what's going on, I really can't tell you guys anything. It's like, ah, come on, Guinan. So, she never screws them over, though.
0: She has trust that they're going to do the right thing and that it's going to go the right way.
1: That's the whole deal, yeah. Like, she has enough faith in them to do things the right way, and I think they acquit themselves very well in this. But um, ultimately, what this all comes down to is that. Picard starts reminiscing that he had a brother. Now, in the original, in the in the episode "Family," that was the first. It was the season opener for season four, but it was the first episode after "The Best of Both Worlds, Part two, which we have reviewed on this show. Of course, and uh, that is, of course, the episode where Captain Picard is captured and assimilated by the Borg, and then after that, after his contract was. Was uh, rewritten for season four and the rest of the series. And after um, the Enterprise crew gets him back, they have to reconstruct a lot of the Enterprise because of battle damage, and they're stuck at Earth for a while. So, in that episode, Family, Patrick or Captain Picard goes down to France and he sees his nephew and his brother. Well, the thing is, when this issue was written. That had not happened yet. And so the brother that's in this story died in a well. He fell into a well and died. And so this isn't canonical in any reasonable fashion. Uh, Q basically says, okay, you defeated me because your parents realized that you were their son and I wasn't. And they, they wanted me gone. So I'm willing to give you a gift, Picard. <laughs> I'm willing to give you your son, your brother back. Your brother will not have fallen in the well and will not have died. And so he's like, I'll do it. I'll accept your gift for my family. Well, then Picard is still an observer next to Q, seeing Riker as in command of the Enterprise, Worf in a very Klingon outfit, and all of the other crew members in a very dressed-down kind of civilian outfit. The Starfleet emblem has changed to this kind of eagle inside of a circle. And what we come to find out is that the Enterprise crew has turned traitor against the Federation because the leader of the Federation is Picard's brother, (laughs) who has become a tyrant in the same fashion as Hitler rose to power. Oh, wow! He, he formed a Brown shirts type crew and had these giant Nuremberg type rallies and went on a, on a spate of conquest against all and became very human oriented federation. It's almost the mirror universe. And um, Q Uh, humorously through a variety of different transmogrifications of both him and Captain Picard into animals so that they will be unobserved, see the
0: career
1: of Claude Picard through the ages as he approaches manhood and to the point where he's about to take over the Earth and then take over the Federation where in this storyline, the actual Jean-Luc Picard is uh, an outspoken voice of opposition to his brother until Claude says, I've had enough and it's time for me to zap you with a phaser. And um, at that moment, Picard is given the opportunity to eliminate his brother for the good of the Federation and basically all of time and humanity and he realizes he has to let his brother die. And so Q just blows a breath. And Claude falls as an adult into the same well and dies. What's the lesson, though?
0: I mean, like, there's always some twisted bullshit lesson that, like, comes in handy later. What's the lesson here?
1: I think that's that's the lesson Q pulls out in the last couple of panels and he says, that's my gift. I offer you uh, I free you of your past because Captain Picard felt enormous guilt at his brother's death, kind of like Deanna Troy felt enormous uh, uh, guilt from her mother through her empathy and uh and uh like basically loxlana troy felt terrible guilt at uh kestra kestra troy's death drowning so because she felt like it was her fault that she didn't observe her child perfectly well captain picard as a child was responsible for looking after his brother one day but he wanted to build ships in a bottle instead and so he let his brother go outside and his brother fell in the well and died so the gift is the absolution of guilt because uh, because he knew ultimately what his brother would have become if he'd remained alive is that does that make any sense is that no, it, it, is, it is makes that...
0: sense i'm just looking for the i'm just still looking for the lesson like like because it's always like something builds later like he's got this part well, on for him
1: to to yeah to teach him things but like <laughs> i'm trying i'm racking my mind think... for that's i'm sorry let me let me go back a little earlier in the story at a certain point the crew is trying is wondering Just what in the heck is going on? Why this is happening again? And the question comes up to them. Yes, Q has a particular fascination with Captain Picard, probably because he's the best iteration of humanity and best iteration of the Federation's ideals. That's why he's the flagship captain. And the crew is is saying, like, what is it about this that makes any sense at all? And they they go into the point that uh, with Captain Picard being put in an effort to prove himself to his family and that he's a better son, Q is defeated and Q gives him this opportunity to see, like, what what gift could Q possibly give Captain Picard that he would have accepted? Right. Because they even bring up Riker's brush with Q in the first season, you know, uh, having powers that were on par with Q, but they weren't fully all of those powers. That's what I dig about this. In that moment, Riker's telling Troy, he's like, yeah, I, I know that I had those powers, but I didn't have all of them. I only had enough to think I was as powerful as Q, but I wasn't. And so it's kind of interesting because I think the 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 win there is that the crew understands better what Captain Picard was going through than he did in the moment. However, of course, it's all eradicated when Q fiddles with the time stream and only Picard realizes that that guilt is gone. It's it's that... Captain Picard understood in the moment when they battled the Borg the first time that there was no way to win and the only way to survive which would let them take their knowledge of the Borg back to the Federation. Presumably in that chance, Picard was absolutely willing to say, all I have to do is agree that I need Q's help. And in that moment, they were taken into the Alpha Quadrant and Picard was, uh, what's the right word here? Picard was, um, he registered his own mortality and that they were limited as a species, despite their technological prowess and their evolution and their righteous ideals, that they, they still needed help in this instance. And so Q in that moment was like, you know, a lesser man would never have come to that. But you are good. And that's why he took them home. And that in, their in is one of my favorite moments in Star Trek. He gave them the opportunity to realize a massive, it's not terrestrial, but it's a terrestrial threat. They can't cope with fighting Q. right. They can't eliminate Q, but here's something that's out there that you guys need to know about. And I'm giving you that knowledge so you can start working towards something. Otherwise, you're freaking doomed. You know? So that's why, that's what I appreciate about this. John Delancey gets his character enough, even though there's all this silly crap that happens in this. Right, right. He gets it enough to propose this idea that Picard could defeat him in this way, but then he could have the rug pulled out from under him just enough to realize there is something that I can give you and it's absolution of guilt. And I'm like, it's this, it it is this, it's like seeing two circles linked together that eventually come so close together that they might as well be the same circle. It's not masterfully crafted, but it freaking works because the formula is really complex so like this is one of those things if i encounter john delancey at a convention in the future this is what i'm going to want to ask him about (laughs) nice beyond anything else he's done like forget about it this is a great piece of work for him and like that he got to be involved in this i have no idea if this was a top seller that year or anything like that but like right now i hope this flies off the shelf it's fascinating. So,
0: I'm just glad they took the the time to really take the care into it to do that sort of thing. And it means it's important, and the right people are putting the spotlight on it. Like, like how I always say yeah. that they really need really need to redo the the uh, flight of the Navigator.
1: Do they? Yes. Do they? <laughs> yes they do. <laughs> yes, they do. Don't only you... if we can get Paul Rubens as the voice back again. Oh, he right? has Unfortunately, to Unfortunately, the performer that played the kid in that is. Not so great any longer. Yeah, he's in, isn't but, he in jail? Uh, he got arrested in Canada recently. Or in the last several years. Yeah, he didn't do it. Yeah, you know, it was probably Bart Simpson. <laughs> it was mad By the way, I'm going to segue, segue real quickly into something with The Simpsons. I don't care about The Simpsons. I'm sick of The Simpsons. I've been sick of The Simpsons for 16 years. But... I know you take guys I know back. you in particular, Joshua you Like take the Simpsons. That back. <laughs> <laughs> my 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 girlfriend has a Simpsons app on her phone that she was like, I want to have a little game on my phone. So she re-downloaded it and it all of her previous existing Springfield was still in this game. And so it's it's just out. a neat game. Have you seen this game? You yeah, know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I played a little bit of it, and I was like, this is pretty cool. I would like to do this if it were South Park. If it was South Park, I'd be totally down. <laughs> Give us some Noctera, man.
0: Let us see here. All right.
2: So going back to Noctera, we got Noctara number two here.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, from last, uh, last issue, we learned that the... Uh, Basically, the sun got taken out, and the world is engulfed in darkness. And these uh, creatures, if they uh, are infecting people, and if they bite you, your gums turn black. And eventually, you just become one of these monsters. Now, uh, Val, the main character, is a truck driver. And for a fee, she can drive you around to where you need to go. And her little brother, uh, her um, her adopted brother Emery, has been infected. And her whole thing is that um, light ball uh, a light can cure um, cure you of this disease before the infection takes hold. But you have to get it before the infection takes hold. And this uh, this. This young girl and her grandfather claim that they can cure Emery if she can drive them to this, um, this place that they refer to as Sanctuary. And she decided that she's going to, to take on this message. But the whole time we find out there's this guy called Blacktop Bill who is <laughs> chasing the grandfather because he's going to kill him. And at the end of last issue... We found out or they stated that the grandfather was um, the person that actually caused this issue that basically uh, blacked out the sun and brought these interdimensional creatures, we'll call them, into into our world.
1: Sounds like the stand for some reason.
2: I guess a little bit of that. Just a
1: little weird. Just a little weird on that little.
2: Mm. All right. Yeah. So we started out with um, right when everything started, um, they weren't quite sure what happened with what caused the darkness, and their parents, as well as a bunch of the other townsfolk, were basically out here worshiping and praying that everything was going to be okay. And Emory, who was nine years old at the time, was saying that you know maybe this is maybe this is going to be heaven. And Val, who's two years older, she's 11, was, you know, she didn't think so. But she just kept trying to calm him down. So she's like, yeah, maybe, you know, this can't be heaven because it's too dark. And she's like, he, and Emery is like, maybe this is like the lobby of heaven. Like, this is what happens before you actually get in. Like, maybe the angels will come down. And she's like, well, maybe, you know, and the angels never showed up. And we just start out with them uh, going to current day, and they're all driving in her truck, and um, the 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 interdimensional creatures are chasing after them. And you know she and they're you know Emory's just screaming like you know we got to we got to hit the lights we got to hit the lights the lights are the only thing that keep them keep the monsters at bay. And he's just like Val, what are you waiting for? She's just like nothing. And then she just blares on all the lights, and you know scorches all the creatures, basically. And we find out, like I said, they're two hundred and fifty-four or two hundred forty-five miles from Sanctuary, and they stop at this. They call it a port now instead of like a rest stop.
1: And get- all
2: the all the ports are all just places to recharge because there's they don't utilize gasoline anymore for most of the vehicles. Because they're just kind of waiting for the monsters to destroy all basically all the gas stations or all the uh everywhere they can get oil, basically. So, everything's based on electric, electricity, and they stop at this um, this like I said, this port, and this one's referred to as the neon groves because it's all just old school neon signs. Cool. And it's all, like I said, it's all held, to, it, it's where they can recharge their vehicles and freaking, um, the same way, it kind of protects them from the monsters.
0: Is it really just monsters? I mean, like, interdimensional, man. This is something next level.
2: Yeah, well, we're we're going to get to that part because like, a little later on we kind of find out uh, at least a little bit more in depth on what the grandfather had to do with all this. You know, so we're over here. So she's Val's out here looking for food and whatnot, and they got some traps. And the uh, the grandfather is behind her, talking about, you know, I need to I need to tell you something, because my before my granddaughter does because she's you know she's a kid, she's got a big old mouth on her. And she start, he starts telling her about this machine, him and his brother invented, that was they were trying to basically uh, find light and they're basically different levels of lights they refer to as terras and there, there were they're they're terras terras is what i like like Terra from uh teen titans basically like T E R R A? T E R R A, uh, yep
1: okay okay i go. wondered i was trying to think about different magnitudes but then i suddenly thought about a name brand for a particular light that happens in my business so never mind
2: okay okay gotcha but yeah, so there are basically nine different levels, and they were trying to get to the top level of this light. <clears throat> but they ended up apparently getting, apparently, Earth's light was like the fourth level. And when they were, try, they were trying to basically get a heavenly light, and apparently, the light they found was not the light they were searching for, and it opened a doorway. So they're trying to get to sanctuary because apparently there they can find the machine and they can fix this, which is why they need to get back to the truck and go. And Val basically calls him on his bullshit. And you know he's like, she's like, that's not true. I, I I doubt you've ever been there. And she opens one of the traps, and one of the monsters comes out. And the monster, apparent like the majority of the monsters they're fighting, are basically either. Um, mutated dogs, mutated cats, or mutated humans. So, and she's basically using the. Um, his name's Dr. McCreary, or McCreary, as bait to get this monster out, and then she ends up stabbing him with a knife. So, apparently, they're able to actually eat these monsters, because apparently, this is supper. This is awesome. So, and then you. Yeah. She's just like, you're, you, can, you, can both, you, can, you can tell your granddaughter whatever you want, that's great, but you can, you're not gonna lie to me. All I know for and she's like, I don't care what you're trying to do, I just want my money. Excellent. And then she just kind of leaves them there. And then we go to um, Emery and Val are back at the truck, and we find out that Emery's hand is now infected. And the, the, it's, it's it's spreading and it's only going to be a matter of time before Emery becomes one of these creatures. And right then we get a call from uh, Bellwether who is Val's dispatcher and I forget, she's the one that normally gives Val her jobs but Val's telling her about Blacktop Bill um, who's looking for, you know, like I said, looking for Dr. McCreary and his granddaughter. And um, when Val, or when Bellwether wouldn't give her up, she, he, he, him and his crew basically destroyed all the other, um, all the other semis in the area. So nobody can travel with the exception of Val. And Just, right then we turn around and Jesus. here's Blacktop Bill and his crew on, on their souped up cars and whatnot.
0: So they 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 stack the card in her favor to be the one that's going to get screwed, and if she fails, it's all over. Yep.
2: So um, Blacktop Bill, he 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 is a complete shadow. Like he is nothing. He's just completely black, and he's got a smile, and that's all you can see on him.
0: I love him. He, he, I I popped so hard for this new character at the end of the last one, man.
2: Mm-hmm. And it just looks insane, and then it looks like the the other people in his crew are kind of kind of similar. But like their faces are completely covered, but they've got you can see their skin though, like in on their arms and on their legs and whatnot. So they're not. If Bill is something di- like a different type of creature from this, you know, from what we find out of this alternate dimension. These people might be transforming, but it does not appear that they're there yet. So Bill basically makes gives an ultimatum if you can if you give me the you know give me the doctor give me his granddaughter, we'll cure your brother. like I've got the capabilities to do it right there, right here right now and Val starts backing up the truck like she's gonna give them over because at the end of the day all she wants is her money and she wants her brother is what it is hmm. and so she she tells the good doctor that like the doc he's like if you're gonna do any i'll, I'll you know if you've got a, if you've got a counter offer you've got about 10 seconds to tell me what it is <laughs> and she's like and no matter what i want the truth so he basically says that he wasn't he's actually he wasn't he's a physicist and he's also a uh, he's a theoretical physicist as well as a theologian. <clears throat> and he did invent the machine that he talked told to her about previously. But instead of looking for the light, they were basically trying to open a doorway to heaven. Excellent. And turns out whatever they did basically unleashed hell. Uh, and his granddaughter is shocked. And, it, you know, basically he, him and his brother unleashed hell on earth. And, you know, he, and he says that, you know, Sundog, which is Val's, um, her name, her name over the comms is basically, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's just like, Sundog, we're in hell and we're going to stay here forever. And all she says is that that's the truest thing I've ever heard. So she takes off. She throws she throws some explosives out of the back of the truck, and it kind of it sets off an explosion right in front of Blacktop Hill. And the last scene is them going through this fireball in the semi truck.
0: So this has everything pretty much: alien invasion, hell. <laughs> this, the last time anything was this like comprehensive was Doom.
2: Yeah, it makes sense. Movie. Yeah, sure. solid.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, it's interesting to think that freaking you know, oh hey, we were trying to, trying to basically un- unlock heaven, and we ended up
0: unleashing hell
2: on everybody.
0: Mm. What are you saying on this one, man? Like, this one of the top comics on the shelves right now? Because it certainly feels like it.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's great, dude. I mean, I think a lot of what we've been kind of discussing on this week's show has been really super solid. Like, I would give this one. I don't, I don't know though, man. But between that one, and detective, probably for my uh, my pick of the week, because not not is cool. Like terror is great, and I love I love the entire concept. But I love that thought process of like getting inside of the head of Batman and being like, you know, the only thing I've got. The only thing, the only way I've people I've helped are the people I've personally saved. And then somebody's trying to take those people out.
0: Immediately taking them out. Like
2: just that's that's an insane concept to me. Like I think the the, the the level of you know love I have for Batman is kinda like
1: like, oh, how has nobody ever thought to do that? That's a crazy thing with characters that have been around as long as he has, there's always this idea of like something that just seems like a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hit, oh, wow. hit us with some magic, man. Excuse me. You. Hitting you with the allergies, man. It's coming down. Um, This is a number one. There was a Boom Studios magic book. It was Chandra themed, who's one of the Planeswalkers. For anybody who's not familiar with magic and how it could possibly have any kind yeah, of I remember that cohesive one. narrative. <laughs> Uh Magic is, of course, you know, based on Magic the Gathering, the card game that's been around since, what, 1995? Mm-hmm. And, um... At a certain point, I don't know exactly when, they developed the concept of the, uh, um... The concept of Planeswalkers as game pieces and they... they so How do you say this? Uh... Planeswalkers are characters that you can activate play spark. in the game. They're like they're they're extra pieces who play alongside you as a wizard casting spells against your opponent who's another wizard. And the planeswalkers are capable of leaving a region in the game and going to another region. So there's some kind of constant through line throughout the game where if you're like oh, I like Jace, or oh, I like uh, Chandra, or I like uh, Nahiri, or something like that, then they they would be appearing, plus or minus their abilities, in another reality. So when you play Dungeons & Dragons, you're like, oh, I'm in the Forgotten Realms, or I'm in Dragonlance, or I'm in Ravenloft, right? Right. So Magic kind of did the same deal, where you've got Zendikar, and... Ravnica and uh, I don't know what uh, Innistrad or something like that and so these are different places that introduce game concepts and it's an ever evolving thing and then they constantly revisit these places and occasionally they add something new um, and, like Dominaria or something like that and you have like different character types so the Planeswalkers are the characters nothing else really has seemed to matter, except revisiting these places and seeing what iteration of those characters would manifest themselves in that world. So this book starts in Ravnica, which now has a cross-promotional tie-in to Dungeons and Dragons because that's a playable like, campaign setting in D&D. And uh, I guess you could interact with these planeswalker characters. And the, the key word for the planeswalkers is the spark. They always talk about the spark. You're capable of leaving one plane and going to the other because of the spark. You're capable of being a great wizard because of this. You're capable of attracting armies of people to... Help you or defend you or support support you because of the spark, because you are a cut above everyone else. And this story focuses in a bit of pandemonium on three protagonists, one of them being Vraska, the queen of the downtrodden, one of them being Raul Zaret, the Stormheart, and one being like uh Kaya the ghost assassin and they're from their own realities but they're all existing in ravnica where there's a balance of all of these different sub regions in this great city but when you think about these places you have to think about this technological level it is semi-medieval but it is in some ways renaissance quality and these characters all know Yeah, maybe I'm from some swamp infested hell infested hellhole, but my magic is what makes me important, not the technological level, not the standard of living, not the comfort level of people. And so I have an embassy in this place. And then you've got this other guy that's like, yeah, no, I'm from this place and I'm a scientist and I have all these things and we take readings and we invent things. But that doesn't mean I'm any better than these people necessarily, because. That guy has magic, and I have magic, and that's what we, even though my magic is a little bit more scientific. So you have these characters that are built around this. The weird thing is that it just seems to be a regular day, and then there's an explosion, and assassins come up and start trying to kill these planeswalkers. And they all are outclassed, totally outclassed by the planeswalkers. And each one of them deals with these villains in their own way. And uh, then one of them is left alive. And the planeswalkers are like, okay, we've got to get together and figure out why this attack happened. But they're way too overconfident. They're all showing up to this place, and they've got their little quips with one another because they've all encountered one another at one point or another. And they have this survivor of the attack, and they are all trying to get this this dude to reveal why he was involved in it for any reason. And they can't get him to come to terms with it. So they bring in Jace, who's a psychic. <laughs> and Jace is turns out to be the target of the entire thing. It's it's always Jace. so it's always something up with Jace. Exactly. That's the thing. Like Jace seems to be the common through line character of all of them outside of uh um what's her futz? Uh our zombie friend. Who is what's up with her? What the crap is her name? talking about Liliana 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 is a major character but she didn't appear in this Jace Liliana and like Soren seem to be like the main three dudes usually but um in this instance Jace is this is the actual target of this entire attack And uh, they don't, they can't, this character, you know, everybody jumps in and stops this guy. And I'm wondering, is this like some kind of Eldritch Moon or Innistrad thing because, uh, or what is it, a uh, um, twittering, you know, like a creature bursts forth out of this guy and it's all tentacles and multiple eyes and crap like that. And then it like escapes. So these three planeswalkers are going to have to figure this out. This is the opening of this entire book. And I'm like, I almost feel like it's too damn much happening at the same time. Even though we're seeing all these characters experience this in their own way and deal with it in their own way. Only to find out that the twist is that the whole thing was built to try to get them before Jace in an effort to get him. And it fails. I'm like, Okay well all right that's fine but none of this sells enough of these characters for, to me to feel like this is an appropriate pilot story so i wish that they would take just like do one intro book for each freaking planeswalker they needed 100% Here's your book. huh they needed 100%
0: i'm surprised they haven't done it already before they did yeah. number 1
1: do do your do your Avison books. Do your do all of these characters. Like, why didn't the Chandra book work? Like, go in and say, "Here's the backstory for me, and this is who I am." And then you get your issue two out there, and you're like, "Now we're firmly rooted in what's been going on." And let's now I'm gonna go out there and do that. I'm a necromancer. or I'm a psychic, and I'm a I'm a obnixilus or whatever. And like you've got to introduce these guys in their own single story like marvel did with the mcu so that when you can want to pair these guys up you don't have to have 10 pages devoted to backstory before you do anything with what you want to sell people on and uh, i just feel like that's what's missing here so again i feel like it's a it's it's a failure of execution for anybody who's got a magic license but I know that magic's not coming at these companies and saying like, Hey, you've got this. So we want to over, we want to have so much oversight over it. No, they they, like it's the client, it's the production company and boom studios is assigning this to somebody and saying, what can you do that's going to get this thing launched? Because they're not going to give up. They're not going to quit printing novels about planeswalkers they're not going to quit printing material they're not going to quit printing comic books because it's an untapped avenue that they haven't found success in yet and i feel like they're just going to keep beating the opportunity into us until something takes and enough magic to game players look at a comic and go this finally did something and i want to pay for it the beef i have with this mostly is not how much is going on here that it's I mean, I can keep up with it, but at the same time, I'm like, I shouldn't, I just feel like I had to try a little bit harder than I wanted to, and then the Planeswalkers came off almost smug because of their capabilities, and then I actually, for once, have a problem with the lettering. The lettering is too (laughs) cartoony. The lettering is too cartoony, and the art is too Teen Titans, almost, like, it feels like they're catering to a nice thirteen year old crowd here and I wanna be able to take these characters seriously. I wanna be able to take them I want I want a level of sophistication. I remember when Magic cards came out and they looked like crap. Like the artwork they was were pretty consistently who gives a rip. They're really like you bad. go back Like, I would be hard... I'm not as big a Magic fan as a lot of people. And I can see why... I understand why cards are $10,000. It's because they're unbelievably rare and unbelievably powerful and came out of the first, first card set. But if I looked at it and said, I'm buying this for its artistic value, well, no, I'm not, because the modern cards are to die for i mean there's so much better artwork now and it's like if i was buying them for the artwork then that would make sense and i just i want the i want the i want the 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 comic art to match the level of sophistication that i see out of every game card that i've played with since i started playing because you force-fucked me into it. <laughs> it was a late and I've night. I've liked it ever since.
0: It was a late night.
1: Man, you know, I saw I'm a Sanguine Blood... A I saw a Sanguine Blood shiny card at a store today for $80. That's the collector's market right now. There was not a Pokemon card deck or packaged set of cards that you could buy in there because... They are sold out. The collector's market for game cards is through the roof and has been in COVID for quite a while because people are trying to finish their collections and because people are wanting to play and stuff like that. There were plenty of new uh, magic cards available because they're out there, because they're going to keep generating content quarterly. But uh, I didn't see the same quality out of Pokemon, even, like, dead games. Like, I guess they said, like, Yu-Gi-Oh is a dead game, and they said, no, you can't even get those anymore. Which means there'll be a weird market after COVID is over where people are offloading this stuff. But, uh, yeah. That's what I got on that stuff. That's
0: all I got for tonight, man. I'm beat. I've been up since, like, 5 in the morning.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go look after my mom tomorrow. She's, uh... Got that second shot, and if uh, – she might be okay, but if I felt not so hot, then I don't want her to be alone in her diabetic Alzheimer's state. Right. And wondering, wondering why she doesn't feel good, you know? Totally understandable. Shoot. Yeah. Well, I wish the best of so you yeah, man. Mm-hmm. You got it. I'm going to take uh, – I'm going to – I'm definitely going to say I want to find those Doom books – Uh, Dune 2099 books we talked about before the show in physical form, but uh, um, yeah, man, I might take my iPad and read some stuff on these apps, you know? Well, shit,
0: man. Get it done, man. Take care of your mom. Morales, you got anything left, brother? Nah,
2: man. I'm good to go. I got to be freaking at work in six hours?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh. Ouch. Well, guys, Uh, all right. Kick some ass. This is dangerous. This transmission is over. Y'all take it easy. Later. Later.
1: Oh, man. That Good. was a solid show, guys.
0: Good episode, guys. Yeah. I'm out. Al-